2018, Evansville to Atlanta, Atlanta to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Antibi, Antibi to Ginja, Ginja to Lake Victoria. That's a long way, but it was well worth it. I had this song on my mind. I was going to do this without crying. <laughs> Since we started traveling, I sang it over and over in my head. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. When we arrived at the boat loading on the main banks of Lake Victoria, we were surrounded by children. <clears throat> My heart was full of love for them, just to look into their eyes, a pat on their back, or just a touch or a hold of their hand to show I cared about them, that they were important to me and God loves them, brought me great joy. I even sang a baby to sleep that a 9 or 10-year-old sister had probably been carrying on her back all day long. As we were leaving in our boat, and all I could see <clears throat> was water all around me with a few mountains in the far distance, I felt a peace and calmness come over me. My heart swelled with love, peace, happiness, and joy. As my eyes filled with tears, I asked God once again, as I have asked several times before, why did he allow me and my family to live in America, home of the free, home of a blessed nation, home where I had comfort, food, jobs, access to medicine? You see, if God had allowed me to live and raise my family right here in Uganda on Lake Victoria, my three premature grandsons would not have survived. Without proper medicine, and machines to keep them alive. And so as the waves splashed on the boat, I heard God speak to me. And he spoke Jeremiah 1.5. He said, my child, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. He said, I knew if you believed in me and accepted me as your Lord and Savior, I would fill your heart with love unconditional love for children and I knew you would tell them all over the world about me and my love for them you see your plans are already made if you give if you just give God your heart he will be glorified for the first time I understood why and I said to myself now come on God this is good keep it coming I said Holy Spirit fill this place with your atmosphere I prayed for the, him to keep my mind, my heart, my eyes, my soul wide open for what he had in store. And each day as we went to a different island, Nan, Addison, and I did Bible stories, crafts, songs, games, face painting, fingernail painting. And the children were well behaved and e eager to listen and learn. On the second island, when we took the kids to a shaded area, there were a group of men drinking alcohol from a plastic container with these tube straws all coming from the same container. At first, I was a little hesitant to put our stuff down and to begin our lesson. And at one point, when Nan was um, giving her lesson, the men became a little loud. 
And Nan looked at me and she said, Satan's trying to attack. But as she began to speak louder, and so did her interpreter, they seemed to quiet down. When she was done and started her salvation bracelets, all the men asked if they could do them too. So even with them drinking right there with us, they heard God's word and wanted to participate. This was a God thing. Some days we had so many children, but God provided with enough supplies and treats for all of them. Each day when we would come back to the campsite, the group of kids on the island were eagerly waiting for us to arrive on the boat. They would walk the red clay road with us holding our hands. We would have games, stories, songs with these children also. And one evening, as I sat in my tent, preparing for the next day, I heard a small voice saying, I'm hungry. I'm so hungry. And I looked up, and there was a little boy sitting across from me. My heart was breaking for him. But I knew from past mission trips that if I gave him one, that I would have to give to all 50 or 60 kids that were gathered there. So all of us put together our individually wrapped food, and together we had enough for each child to have one thing, like a peanut butter and cracker or a granola bar. It was a bit crazy on the handout, but they all got something in their bellies that day. The last night before we left, um, they were able to feed the community, and everyone was, had plenty of rice and beans. They also had a, a large bonfire with dancing and singing for all of us. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be able to go, share, and love in Jesus' name. I realize no matter where you are, take time to invest in children's lives. Let them know they are important and you love them and that God loves them too. Please pray for the souls, as Judy said, the ones that were saved, that they will be ministered to and grow in their relationship with Christ. And pray for James and Sonia hearing the missionaries on Lake Uganda, I mean Lake Victoria. Thank you. Oh, by the way, they wanted me to do the call, but <laughs> I chickened out. All right. First, I want to thank the church for allowing me to go. Thank my wife and kids for holding it out for 10 days. But the trip started for me a year ago before we ever even thought about it. While the mission trip team was in Uganda last year, a man and I were on the couch watching uh, Queen of Katwe, I think it is, the chess playing, Uganda, and uh, God put a conviction on me at that time, that day, that moment. As strong as probably the conviction that when I accepted Jesus Christ that I should be on this trip. So, the good Christian I am, I made conditions. <laughs> if I'm going to go, this is going to happen first. So I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to go, Ryan needs to go. Okay? <laughs> Determined that, you know, it'd take heaven and earth to move for Ryan to go. So, a couple weeks go by, and I'm t talking to Ryan. I said, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to go to Uganda. And he goes, 
I am too. <laughs> I thought, are you kidding me? And so at that point, I thought, you know what, you know, it's still a year away. We'll, we'll talk about it if they go. So at back to school, I told Dwayne, I said, well, Ryan and I thought about going. And Dwayne beelined for Ryan. So uh, at that point, I realized, you know, I, this is it. I'm going. I'm going. And the moment I said, I'm going, that's when Satan attacked. Attacked my family. You know, attacked me. We sent my passport to the Ugandan embassy. Everyone got theirs back but me. So at that point, I thought, well, then I'm not meant to go. And then almost two weeks before, Ben had sat down at church and said, you know, there's a group that can help you get it. And So I finally told Amanda, I said, Amanda, I'm meant to go. And she goes, well, are you serious? I said, well, if we were going on vacation, I'd move heaven and earth to go. So got my passport and got my uh, online registration to go to Uganda and was meant to go. So um, once we got there, the story, I cheated a little bit too. Amanda helped me with my Bible story. So the story was Zacchaeus, and I ended up not using it on the island. But today, when I was preparing to think of what I need to speak about, I realized that the story was actually for me, preparing me for what I'm getting ready to see. Because when we show up at the islands, there are so many people crowding just to get a glimpse of us, just normal people and, and kids and just, you know, so, I mean, never once did I feel unsafe, never once did I think of disease, never once did I think of dirty, never once did I think of anything the moment I stepped foot for the first time on the island, I had four kids grab my hand. Never once did I think of them smelly or dirty. And those four adopted me all week. You, they held your hand to the tent. They held your hand to the boat. They waited for you to come back. They held your hand every day. And then at night, they'd say, uh, good night. Thank you for coming. You've never seen that people as happy as what these people are. But then we get another curveball with Dwayne sick. And I prepared myself that I'll be probably going with Tim or Dwayne and we'll go through the motions. And after a few times, I'll be able to share and do my thing. And Dwayne was sick. The pastor James, the medical team, forgot some medicine. He had to go back. So it was Ryan, myself, and Tim. They said, here's you an interpreter. Here's you an interpreter. Here's you an interpreter. Go and spread the gospel. <laughs> like, are <you>? Wow. <laughs> Man, I'm getting stretched here. And Ryan's got some amazing stories. I, I didn't have as many um, easy salvations. <laughs> I get to an island, I have the head Muslim leader that I get to talk to. <laughs> but he was the friendliest, loving person that you could meet. And he allowed us to read the Bible to him. And to, he listened the entire time, you know. And uh, the blessing I received was more than what they received. I, I am forever changed, and there is a heart left, a piece of my heart left for Uganda. And uh, just can't wait to go back, can't wait to take, I want to take my family back. 
because the pictures are great, but they don't really do the justice of what you truly see, the poverty, the despair. Um, I mean, in America, you wouldn't see a 10-year-old with their four-year-old brother, their two-year-old sister on their back, you know, caring all day long for these kids. You wouldn't see the hunger. You wouldn't see, you know, I never once thought of disease. I mean, we saw, they saw a thousand people. You know, you pull up on this island and you see maybe 40 huts and you end up having 200, 300 come through the clinic. Where'd they come from? You know, we had 253 people saved. We would have one day with the, you know, it always timed out perfect for when we got done because the island's not that big. Nan and Lucy, and, and they'd be right at that point where they needed all hands on deck, and Tim and Ryan and Addison and I would show back up and start to help. They would have 86 kids. You wouldn't think there's 86 kids. They'd have 86 kids and prepared for 50, but God provided. The food, when we had the food the night, they had, a, you know, we have a small plate of food. They have a plate mounded this high all around the adults. I'm thinking, there's not enough food for these kids. There's no way. The kids come through. Their plates are mounded this high. Everyone ate. And then they danced and celebrated because they probably had the biggest meal they've had in years. So, But I do want to thank you all for allowing me to go. Thank you. I'll try to stay dry, but it's not going to happen. Um, I didn't prepare anything. Uh, that's just kind of how I am. I'm not Charlie. I, Charlie took a journal. I remember last year Jeremy took a journal, and I was impressed. And and. Uh, Charlie took time every day to take a journal and, and write things down, but I just can't get myself to journal. So I had I had good intentions. I just never went and bought a journal. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, it was a uh, uh, it was a the, the it's a forever changing it, the the trip was it it changed me. And I don't know why. But that old trip, I was emotional. I mean, the whole trip. I mean, I felt like I literally swallowed like a softball the whole trip. I've never seen so many people just so poor. And I think that's what bothered me the most is that, and, I, and Tim kind of hinted on it that he said that Jeremy was kind of the same way, but man, I'm a fixer, a doer. And I mean, I just sit there and it just drives me crazy. People hauling water and wheelbarrows from 1912 and don't I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that guy a four-wheeler. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I'm buying him a boat, you know. I'm there, but, I mean, it's, the, and it drove me nuts because Africa is the slowest place ever. I mean, it's the slowest place ever. I mean, I'm being serious. If they say, hey, we're going to leave at 8.30, at 11, you, you're waiting. I mean, it is that slow, which is not me. It drove me crazy. 
but that's just the way it is. So it made it worse. I mean, it was like I'd, as soon as we'd be gone all day long, 10 hours, and I'd get back, and then I'd just be fixated. The kids would be, my arms would be just like raw from the kids playing with the hair on my arms and rolling my, I mean, they just, they're so enthralled with, with just you being white. I mean, it's just, I mean, and they love on you. My arms were, I mean, just like they were, like they're going to start bleeding from the kids pulling on you. Love, I mean, they're, and they're so sweet. The kids are, they're just a blessing. And the whole group that went with us, uh, Tim, Benna, Lucy, and I'll brag on everybody, but it, they were, they, they were all a blessing to me. I mean, they were, the group was awesome. And my mom and Lucy went over the top prepared. Uh, I mean, they had, it, it was amazing. And some women here, they, they probably, I don't know if any of them are here, but I think that that maybe the WMU group uh, made dolls, like 48 or 50 dolls from the church, and my mom packed every one of them over there, and uh, she laid them in a suitcase. And it was kind of a big thing because when we would get back, you know, there was a typical crowd that we would draw at the main island we stayed at. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't be very long, and, I mean, we would have a massive crowd. So they I mean, my mom made 800 plans. I'm going to get them dolls out, but there's too many kids, and they're not going to get them. And I, 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 finally, after about four days, I was like, just give them out. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna, you're going to have to give them out. So it, God worked it out. We end up, but you guys saw that, but it was such a blessing. She went in, laid them all out in a, on pews. Of course, we had to make a gate, and then a kid got to go and pick out which one they want. And to see those kids... their first doll I mean they would literally fight over my empty water bowl and they're happy they're just they're so poor they don't even know they're poor I mean they are and they're happy I mean same shoes no shoes same shirt t-shirt grip you sell them all I mean holes off them every day same clothes and it would drive me crazy. I'm buying 500 T-shirts and 500 pairs of shorts. And next week they're going to be here. Well, I don't. I'm telling you, they'll be here. I guarantee you. Don't tell me I won't get them here. They will be. I mean, it drove. It asphyxiated me. I just. I mean, it just. It was hard for me because I, I just. I wanted to fix everything. And of course, you can't fix everything. There. It's just their environment. I mean, that's just what they've got. But. Uh, we, we, we did basically four days in the islands, and it was, everyone was different. It was really neat. Tim, uh, our, first, our first day, of course, Charlie kind of hit on it, and I may be jumping around here a little bit, but our first day, you know, as Charlie said, we got there, and I'm telling you guys, this, we've talked about it as a group, but uh, before we left, he kind of hit on it that, I mean, I, I, a year ago I said, I'm going. I mean, I'm supposed to go, and I'm going because I if I ain't going, something's going to happen to me. I'm going. So Charlie, he said, uh, you going on that trip? I said, I'm going. Well, I, I'm going to go. I said, okay, you go. He said, I said <laughs> but I'm going. So, I mean, I, he, so anyway, it worked out. I'm thrilled to death that he went. It was awesome. I love spending time with him. Um, but when we got there, I mean, when we got to the the last stop is when Dwayne got sick. And I'm telling you people that, I had prayed for two months straight. I said two things. I said, God, stretch me on this trip. I mean, just stretch me. And the other thing was, 
as I said, go ahead and prepare the way. I don't just, I don't, whatever it is, use me. I don't care if it's, I'll dig a hole to China. I don't care what it is. I'll help kids. I'll swim, but it doesn't matter. I'll preach. Just use me any way you can. I'll do the best I can, but just go ahead and prepare the way. And I mean, Dwayne fell ill the day we left. I mean, ill. And, and you, I mean, I, we got to talk about it. I mean, you guys may think, I'm telling you, it was, it was God made, Dwayne was ill. I mean, he, it was no doubt, it was just crystal clear. You I could see it when we got going the first day on the islands. I mean, when they handed, I mean, I never had an interpreter. I mean, I've got the worst hick language in the world. And I've got an interpreter trying to, from Uganda, trying to, <laughs> I mean, it's bad. But anyway, so <laughs> when we got there and they said, you know, they told Tim, I can see Tim was, a, I mean, Tim's a pro at this, but said, yeah, you, you better have your story ready. Well, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, when, well, give me, you know, where do you want me to start telling stories, you know? And, of course, I did the same thing as Charlie. I had three or four Bible verses, and I wrote them out by hand, put them, I never used them. But, uh, but anyway, that first day, I mean, I'm not kidding you. We, we got to, it was called One Tree, and, uh, of course, you could, it was sitting on the side of a cliff. I mean, it was 50 huts up there and had one tree, had shade under it, and that was where we wound up by God's grace doing the, the kids stuff. But, I mean, it was, but, I mean, I can't tell you guys as a church how big of a blessing it was to be able to take, <clears throat> I guess last year they took one doctor, one Ugandan doctor. We had two Ugandan doctors and about three or four Ugandan nurses and all the medicine that the church bought to be able to take that stuff to those people and for free and set up a clinic. And, I mean, whether they got malaria, I mean, I saw one guy, I met him on a path in the middle of nowhere, and I could tell he had some medicine, and I stopped him. He pulled up, I mean, he had a, a cut on his leg that was infected. I mean, it looked like it was the nastiest-looking thing, but, I mean, it was such a blessing to be able to take the medicine and take the doctors and offer that to those people, and you should have seen the joy. I mean, they would literally be, every island, there would be 50 people in the water that they tell you not to stand in for us. Then they're used to it, but, you know, you get parasites in your feet. And, I mean, they would literally be 50 feet in the water. And, I mean, you feel like you're going to pull up and somebody's going to cut your head off because they're, they're, those people sing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and clap and beat drums till their hands are numb. I mean, that's all they do. They just see you're in a boat for two hours. And, I mean, they're just and singing. And, I mean, you're just like, <laughs> I mean, they praise 24-7. And then you just... <laughs> roll in, I mean, there's people sitting around, you're like, and they're all, they were all with open arms, I mean, there was people waiting at the clinics, there was, I mean, everybody's wanting to help you out of the boat, I mean, the people are so friendly, but the first day at One Tree, when I was about like Charlie, I got some, some shock, I mean, we, we got there, of course, I didn't know my interpreter, but his name was Joseph, he was a, like a young pastor, super guy, and, uh, it, they said, you know, you guys need to go door to door. And I mean, I, there is no doors. I mean, they're just huts with open doors. So, but I mean, I was like, no, nah, God, so you're going to stretch me because I, you know, I was a little like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but anyway, we'll do it. So we took off, and, and uh, first woman, we were walking out a dirt path off a bluff, and the first one we hit, he gibbered something. She sat down. He said, she wants to hear the gospel. I mean, I, I sit down on the ground, talk to her. She said, I'm ready to get saved. And I mean, I was like, whoa. 
So I was like, man, that's crazy. So I was like, okay. Well, I mean, I'm all emotional, and I got my sunglasses on. Of course, I've got tears, and I'm like, man, this is crazy. He's like, we need a pin to write her name. So we get done. She She's all jacked up. Well, this guy's kind of beside me, and, and uh yeah, I said, they said, I said, anybody got a pen to my interpreter, of course. He said, no, I didn't either. So I had ran back up the bluff, went over to my mom. I said, I need a pen, some paper. I need jot this woman's name down so I can get some follow-up with her. So I get back down, and there's a guy standing there waiting on me. He's sitting sitting down waiting on me. When I got back down there, he said, this guy heard you preaching there. He, he, wants, to, uh, he wants to hear the gospel. So I said, okay. So anyway, I, I go over the plan of salvation tell him about Jesus and and uh, he, he just starts firing off I mean the language is fast he just talking real fast real fast and man that interpreter's like yeah hallelujah and I was like and he's like it's <laughs> like what's going on man he's like well he said he's told the preacher and all the people in this island for years for years he said one of these days I'm going to accept Jesus my savior and today's that day And from that day, and from that was the first day, and I mean, that was my second person I talked to. I mean, I'm just like, oh, I mean, like, but I mean, it was just clear as a bell that God had went way ahead and prepared, I mean, way ahead. I mean, it was 100%, but by saying that, he took a bunch of rum dums and literally made it clear that I've made the pros sit on the sidelines and just to show you guys that I don't need it. I don't need the pros. You guys are faithful. I went ahead of you. It was clear. I could see it. And then, of course, second day, Tim, it was pretty neat. Tim, we went to a spot, and Tim's like, I, I was here last year, you know. It was kind of overwhelming. We sit there, and it was cool. I got to share it with him, but. We got there. He's like, I was staying right here when I found out my mom passed last year. And, man, I mean, he just, I mean, just started, I mean, it was just overwhelming. It was pretty cool. We, we had a good time. Second day was a good day. And then on the third day, we went to an island. And Addison, she's here. And uh, she said, I'm going to go with you one of these days. I said, that'd be good. We'll go together. Well, we ended up teaming up on the third day. And, uh first the first door we knocked on husband and wife invite us in there eating corn drinking tea no shirts walk in they sit I sit on the floor they both received Christ I mean I mean it's just I'm going ahead of you I mean it's just it was clear as a bell we leave walk down the path there's a bunch of people sitting there we get just past them and this woman comes flying out of nowhere and uh, she's screaming man I see her she's running she's running she just falls down at her at our feet, man. She's going, Pastor, save me. Pastor, save me. She's just sobbing, just sobbing. Pastor, save me. So I I just witnessed to the people before, so I told Addison, there you go. You're t- all yours. <laughs> you want to come with me? Here you go. <laughs> there you go. So I sit down with her. Well, I sit down, and I was rubbing her back, and and we kind of drew a crowd, you know, everywhere you go, you kind of draw a crowd. And uh, I was rubbing her back, man, she was just, I mean, she was broken and she was sobbing. And Addison was telling her about Jesus. And this guy comes up and he kind of sits, 
I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Addison and I'm rubbing her back and, you know, and this guy's sitting there and he's, 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 he's doing this to my face and, I, and he's like this far from me and I'm, 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 I'm trying, I'm like, <laughs> and he just keeps going like this and he's kind of playing my whiskers. I'm thinking, what is this guy doing, man? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'll tolerate it for a little bit, you know, just sit there and lay him scratching my face. But anyway, so I was sitting there and we get done and, <clears throat> and, and uh, she said, that's my husband. So I was like, oh, okay. So he's, so, uh, he's, he's kind of jabbering around and he said, let's go to my house up, up the hill. So I said, okay, we'll go. So we went up the hill and I wasn't five minutes later, he got saved and, and, and it was so cool. I got, they were on the video, but I took a picture of my phone. But anyway, I shared the gospel with him. He got saved and and, uh, of course, he had been beating her, and he said, you know, I'm no longer going to beat my wife. You know what I mean? He, he, they went through everything. and, and uh, But they said, please take my picture in front of my house of us together, and you you pray for me. And and you know that I want you to pray for her. So it was, it was just so cool. I mean, I could go on all night about it was just one after another. I mean, we just had so many salvations. I mean, the last day, I first stop we made, I mean, grew a crowd. Five people got saved at one time, went to a house. There was three, three boys. My last stop. There was three boys. One of them was a Muslim. I mean, they all three got saved. I mean, it was just everywhere. I mean, you could just see that God had went way ahead of us and prepared the way. That it was, it was amazing. So it was a, a real blessing, a treat. It was. Uh, I'd love to go back. It, it's very hard. My wife and children. I hated being gone from them. I made sure that everybody I witnessed to knew that I was missing my family. Uh, but it was uh, it was such a treat. The, the travel, the flights are difficult. But uh, if anybody feels led to go, it is an amazing journey. And I'm gonna go back. But I'd I'd like to I'd like to get my my goal is I'm gonna. It, it's just not easy to get stuff there. But I'm gonna I got a passion for getting clothes on those kids, and trying to find out some way to them to, to be able to be sustainable. I mean, they literally have nothing. I mean, it's, they just, I mean, they have nothing. Kids pack water on their arm or women carry everything on their head. And I mean, they, it, and, and it, it just, it was, a, the, the kids were, I mean, it's, everybody's a blessing. It's just hard to explain it. I, I mean, I literally took pictures of kids and I would turn around and show them and it was the first time they'd ever seen themselves in their life. I mean, that's how poor they are. They've never seen themselves. I mean, I turn on my phone, and, and I mean, they'd be like, I mean, literally, they've seen themselves the first time, and then I'd video them and turn around and show them, and I mean, they would go great. Zoom, phone, zoom, phone, zoom, phone, uh, zoom, pocket knife, 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 cut, and zoom, sunglasses. But, I mean, I'd put sunglasses on every kid on every island, so it, it was a, it, just to see how much it was a blessing to the kids, and and uh, like Charlie said, I never one time ever felt threatened ever or, I mean, unsafe, never thought anybody stunk or dirty. I mean, it, they show you so much love. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. So um, other than that, that's about it. But thank you so much for church. I appreciate it. It was, it was a trip a lifetime. And uh, by God's grace, I'm going to go back for sure. So thank you. Oh, I, I, I'd like to read. I'd like to read one thing real quick, Addison. Hold on a second. <clears throat> I won't. This is short. But anyway, I was having this emotional week every all the time. But you're gonna read that.
No, go ahead. You read it. I won't get through it. You read it. Read the whole thing. Okay, I wasn't going to read the whole thing because we don't have a whole lot of time, but I guess I am. So this is called The Beautiful Show of Hands. It's something that Benna found and brought with us. It says, for years the old man had longed, had prayed, had believed that I would one day come and stand my ground. Just before he changed my life, the old man wrapped his, my small hands in his large weathered ones. Concrete-like calluses chiseled by decades of doing stuff I could not even imagine plowed into my tender hands. The dirt stains under his nails popped against my clean, neat ones. And even though I was dressed in goodwill garb, I still looked like a princess while his clothes screamed poor. But the old man's face, well, it was a study in priceless. Wrinkles glowing bright with something money cannot begin to buy. Real joy. The ground you are standing on is protected just for you, he told me excitedly, vice gripping my hands as if they were his lifeline, big smile on his face and tears in his eyes. Stirring up the just as he practiced or the dust as he practically danced a jig in his dusty, worn-out shoes. I've known for years that a woman would come one day to our village to tell us about Jesus. Years. You are the woman. Welcome, welcome. The hairs on the back of my neck stood straight up and then vibrated left to right, even as the verse from the book of Esther flitted through my mind for such a time as this. I felt the air whoosh out of my lungs. It was my first day in Africa, my first mission trip, eight hours ahead of my U.S. time zone and as far out of my comfort zone as I had ever been in my entire life. I was standing in a small village on a dirt street strewn with all kinds of trash, surrounded by mud-walled buildings glued together with what I would later learn was cow dung. The thrown-together village made any U.S. ghetto I had ever seen look up class. From the moment I learned about the mission trip to Kenya, I had known without a doubt that I was going to go, even though I was terrified. Shy by nature and nervous about this, that, and who knows what, I think I had unknowingly held my breath until the moment the old man said, you are the woman. Until God used me to lead 39 people to Christ that day, until I saw an old man dance with joy and a young woman cry with relief because I gave them hope for a better tomorrow. Until I heard a group of barefoot children singing in rags singing, Jesus loves me, at the top of their lungs. Then awe, gratitude, and confidence booted fear. I knew without a doubt that my steps on Kenyan soil were firmly guided by the Holy Spirit. I was exactly, I was exactly where I was supposed to be standing on ground reserved long ago by God for me. Why me, I don't know. But standing on the dirt road in Kenya that day, I knew that it was my time, my calling, and my ground to cover for the cause of Christ. For reasons far beyond my comprehension, God let me end up living, God let me be the living answer to a prayer lifted up by an old man for many years. But the truth is, it wasn't about me at all. 
it was less about, it was less of me and more of Christ. It was about understanding the true value of getting less and giving more. It was about less hesitation and more celebration of Christ-like love that transcended time, place, and people. I celebrated my 54th birthday in Kenya, surrounded not by family of origin, but by 39 people born in Africa and reborn there into the family of God on a dusty, trash-stoon street that I had walked by the power of the Holy Spirit. My hands had been held by those of a tough old man who believed in his tender heart that the good news would one day come. He waited years for me to bring him that good news, and he prayed protection all around me long before I needed it. He had longed, and he had waited. He had prayed again and again for such a time as this. And by God's grace, I came. It still makes the air whoosh out of my lungs when I think about it. I don't know where Benna found this, but I know that she was supposed to for Charlie and Ryan and Lucy, who spent their first day in Africa, but also for me, because I celebrated my 23rd birthday in Africa this year. The third day we were on the islands was a Sunday. It was the 21st, and it was the first time I had ever witnessed to people openly like that on a dusty, trash-stoon street in Africa. Ryan talked about that third day a little bit, talked about the woman, Margaret, who came running to us, screaming, save me. She was one of many that we talked to that day, and she was the first person that I had ever knelt beside and cried while sharing the word of God to a poor, poor broken woman who had nothing but in that moment knew that all she needed was God she knew in that moment she had everything that she needed and I think it's very appropriate it was not planned for me to sing this song tonight that I sang earlier it wasn't ever planned to fall on this night I just think it's very appropriate she was the first person I talked to the second person I talked to was probably the one that hit me the hardest. And at first it just seemed very ordinary. There was a, he was an older gentleman. We saw him walking up the street, and I say street, the dirt path. And we stopped, and it was my turn again to talk. So I presented the word to him. And he just kind of brushed it off, and I was like, okay, this isn't happening apparently. And... Ryan, who I was with that day, was not having any of that. (laughs) So he looks at the old man and he goes, now hang on a minute. If you were to die today, not saying that you will, but if you were to die today, where would you go? And without missing a beat, the man goes, hell. Just immediately, just hell. And I knew then that we, we had just had another door opened. So I kind of thought about it for a minute. wasn't exactly sure what to say because nobody had ever just been that blatant with me. I never expected him to just spit it out. So I asked him if he knew why hell was created. And if any of you have ever gone through Judgment House, you know right before we go into heaven, we kind of go through the little spiel of 
hell was created for Satan, not for people. And I felt like I was quoting that to him because I have done that part for about four years of Judgment House, and I didn't know why, but somebody always recruits me, and it got used. And we just kept, kept going at this man, and we finished up, and he said, okay, are you coming back this way? And we said, yes, but if we don't see you, if you go down the road, there's a clinic going on, there's several preachers there, they can answer any questions you have. And he headed down that way. I don't know if he made it there because we didn't ever see him again. But after the man had gotten a little ways off, the translator spoke to one of the other island locals. And Joseph, our translator, turned and looked at us and said, that man was the Catholic priest of this island. That man just told me he was going to hell. And he's supposed to be ministering to the island. And that destroyed me. That really messed me up. But we kept going. And on our way back, we ran into another young man. He was 17. He was 17. And again, it was my turn. We had just spoke to another man further up who had back issues, and we were leading him to the clinic. And this boy had never heard of Jesus. He didn't know anything about it. And I got the opportunity to present the gospel to him as well. And the only person that day that Ryan and I spoke to that we do not know for sure got saved was the Catholic priest that went to the clinic looking for somebody to talk to. So I hope he did. I don't know. But he would be the only one who didn't. And I had never intended to go out. I had intended to work with the kids. And I knew I was going on this trip since last year. I knew I was going to. Um... I just didn't know if circumstances would let me, but I, I knew in my heart that I was going. So I started praying about the trip a year ago, asking, you know, whatever, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. Just tell me. And I actually didn't tell anyone on the trip about this, but about six months before the trip, I started having dreams about me talking to people and sharing the gospel. And it was something I'd never done before, and yet I was pulling all of these verses, cha quoting chapter and verse, just out of nowhere. And I'm, I wake, I'd wake up and think, I don't know those. I don't know those verses. Why, how, how am I pulling these out of wherever? And that kind of told me, you know, I'm preparing you for this. This, this is what you're going to do. And it was weird because I, I never really believed in necessarily God speaking to you through dreams. And that was something that we talked about. I think it was, it was either on the bus or on the first day for like two or three hours, just everybody discussing it. And I, I had my earbuds in. I was listening but not participating in the conversation because I was like, okay, something really is going on here. This really is what I'm supposed to do. And I didn't decide to evangelize until the first day. 
And I just kind of looked at him and said, hey, I'm going to go out with you. And we talked to about four people, and that was all the people we had to talk to. So I didn't get the chance to share. So when Ryan says, he looked at me and goes, hey, go. He looked at me and said, hey, go. And I spent my birthday in Africa evangelizing to poor people, poor broken people, on dusty, trash-strewn streets the same day I read this. And it, it messed with me. So I just, I'm going to ask that you guys continue to pray for the people over there because they need a lot of prayer. They've, they've got nothing as far as Bibles. I mean, they, like Ryan said, they sing and praise all day long. They have one or two people that live in the villages that have Bibles and can read them. And that's what they're depending on. So they really need a lot of prayer if they're going to grow. So thank you guys for sending us. The uh, video, I'm uploading it to YouTube, so it'll be on the church's page. Um, this, these pictures you couldn't see real clear because our projector is not as good, but on the computer they're bright. The colors are bright, and you can see the people's faces. So you want to go. We'll try to be sure and share, share that on um, Dorisville's Facebook page. So we're thankful that you guys came. We're thankful that the team got to go, and um, we hope that you saw just a little bit that would make you say, hey, let's pray for those people. Let's do what we can. And let's share the gospel, not only in Uganda, but everywhere that God puts us. So thank you so much for coming. Let's go ahead and be dismissed in prayer, and then we'll head out. Father, thank you for a people who are faithful to go when you call. Thank you for the opportunity of living in a country where we have resources in our hands that enable us to be able to go and to carry out the Great Commission. But, Father, I pray that just as you open our eyes to the people in Uganda and our hearts, that you would open our eyes to the people who are in our community. So help us, Lord, not to pull back from the places that we're most familiar with, but help us to, as we even saw this morning, be a constant witness to those that you put in our path. So we know that you have plans for us. We know that your plans are good. So I pray for the courage to walk in the plans as you show us. Put people in our path. Give us a heart to share. Above all, may we represent you well in this world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.